0: So we're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 15 through 19. title of the message is A Warning Against Idolatry. Warning against idolatry. And I'm going to have you stand with me for the reading of the word. Deuteronomy 4, verse 15 through 19. The word of the Lord. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when I spoke, uh, when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourself a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of a male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them, And serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. Our Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord God, open up our hearts and minds, Lord God, all of us at certain times in our lives, and maybe some here tonight. Lord God, they have erected an idol. and They have placed it, Lord God, upon the throne of their heart. and They have supplanted the King of Kings, Lord God. And that is a dangerous place to be. You warn us strongly. Father God, may we heed your word and take it to heart, because, Lord God, there are great blessings to those who keep you as the king of their life, as the love of their soul, and as the one, Lord God, who is the Lord over all. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen. So idolatry is mentioned in the Bible over 50 times. I'm going to show you which commandment deals with idolatry. Of the ten. Which one is it? Which one? Is it the third one? Or the first one? Or the fourth one? Or the eighth one? It's the second one. Have you ever memorized the Ten Commandments? Please do. You should. (laughs) They weren't the ten suggestions. Exodus 20. Verse four through six, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So, Deuteronomy, right? What does Deuteronomy stand for? Second, right? The repeating, it's the repeating of the law. It's the repeating of everything that was given in Exodus and partly of uh, Leviticus. So, again, here's the the Ten Commandments um, being repeated in Deuteronomy, and we're going to look at that more next week. I just want to give you a couple of just a, a couple of verses about idolatry before we really dig into this. In First Corinthians chapter ten, verse six, here is again a great admonition to the church. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down, eat, drink, and rose up to play. Again, New Testament strong warning against idolatry. Psalm 24, verse 3 through 6, is a, is a blessing for those who really have have the Lord as their God and reject idolatry. You know, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Selah. And again, there's, there's blessing there. So let me say this to you. My wife I think has heard this a few times the last few days. For those who are followers of Yeshua, for those who are followers of Jesus, He asks much of you. I hope you understand that. He asks much. He asks much of your time. He will ask much of your money, but more than all of that, he will ask for your heart, your devotion, your love. And for those who don't follow him, he asks very little. I mean, what does he ask of the unbeliever? You, you will find multiple things that he will ask of you as a believer. But what does he ask of the unbeliever? He asks, he asks them to repent and believe. That's it. But he asks much of us who are his followers. And when you come to idolatry, you see, again, he asks that he would be the supreme, the Lord, the king of our lives. So, again, warnings of idolatry. You know, why? Why does God, 50 times in the scriptures, 50 times or more, give us these warnings? First thing here, idolatry supplants God in your life. You understand the word supplant? Idolatry uproots God. So in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 4, do not turn to idols or make metal gods for yourself. I am the Lord your God. I mean, right there is a, we call it, it's a parallel, it's a parallel passage. If you have an idol in your life, then the Lord is not the Lord of your life. If the Lord is the Lord of your life, then you will not have an idol in your life. Each and every one of us, we have a throne on our heart. Okay, in our heart, that was essentially created for the Son of God to sit upon and to reign, to reign in our lives. Idolatry is when we remove Jesus from the throne and we put something or someone else upon the throne. And there could be there could be many things that people will place upon the throne. Essentially, it comes down to whatever is placed upon the throne instead of Jesus will always be something that is created. So Romans 1, the creation, right? They worship the creation instead of the creator. So Romans 1, verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. Again, they worship the creation that could be them worshiping themselves the person can be the very idol of their life or again created things and idols idols can be this is a great picture idols can be multiple you know things an idol can be your career an idol can be your family your children can become idol that's a dangerous by the way parents that is a very dangerous place to be in if you place your children and make them the idols of your life. Dangerous for you and dangerous for them. Culture, uh, possessions, money, power, approval, pleasure, uh, success, comfort, right, religion, fame, entertainment. You look at, as a pastor of the church, I see people who float in and out of this place who many times these things are, again, upon the throne. They are the the, the idols of their life. So anything, essentially, you love more than God, anything that you put before God, anything you elevate before God or magnify before God or glorify before God, anything is an idol. Second uh, point here, idolatry turns us from God's love. That's That's just common sense. You know, it just... When you read the word, think critically. I want to you, this is this is a message where, as I began to prepare this message a few weeks ago, just, again, thinking of idolatry, and I began to think critically. Use your, use your brain and think criti- or critically when you're looking at the word. Don't just, don't just just read it vaguely. What is God saying? What is God saying to me? What was God saying to the people of his time through this passage? And again, idolatry, just as you look at it and you think critically about it, it turns us from God's love. Jonah, and this is from Jonah chapter 2, verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And that's just, again, that's just common sense. Because why? Why do they turn away from the love of God when they have a worthless idol in their life? Because they begin to love the idol more then they love god they begin to literally you know fall in love with the idol the idol becomes the focus of their attention they they spend their days serving the idol the idol consumes them it consumes their thoughts it's what they think about all the time it consumes their emotions and of course then there is no place for the love of god in their life because again they they are in love with the idol Third, idols are powerless to save. They, they lack the strength, they lack the power to save you. No idol can save, save you. And in Judges chapter 10, 14, it says, Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you're in trouble, right? They they can't save you. They can't save you in the present world. They can't save your soul. They're powerless to deliver you, right, they're powerless to deliver from, from sin, they're powerless to deliver from Satan, and uh, the idols that people worship, and you look, you look, you can look right now at our country, and look at what people are looking to, to save this, this country is right now in a major free fall, it's scary, I don't know if some of you know what was going on today, and a few of you may know, and, um, and those of you don't, maybe you don't want to know, personally. Uh, but you look at what people are looking to, they're looking, you know, they're looking to the Republicans to save the country. They're looking to the Democrats to save the country. They're looking to, you know, President Trump or President Biden to save, you know, to save the country. These are these are again, these are just idols that people have erected that they think are going to be able to save this country. The only one who right now I believe can save this country, and I pray for it every day, is is God's intervention. I, if America does not turn to God, I believe, and I've shared this with you, we're not mentioned in the prophetic picture. And there's some things happening right now that are unraveling very quickly, much faster than I, I could have ever have imagined. But again, idols are, idols are useless. They're, 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 they're feckless. They're, you know, they're, they're absolutely hopeless in being able to, to save. The fourth... The worship of idols is the worship of demons. This is repeated a number of times in the Old Testament and the New. In First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 19 through 20, what I'm uh, saying then that an idol is anything, or what it is offered to an idol is anything, rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons, and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons, but behind every idol, there is, there is you know, a demonic influence. And that could be, look, those could be statues that, <laughs> that people worship, icons that people worship, or listen, it could be their Lamborghini that they worship. But a- a- anything, there is a, the, Satan wants to pull human beings away from having Jesus in their lives as their Lord and Savior, and He works diligently. He's He's a He's a roaring lion who looks to just separate people. He wants to separate people from Jesus, including believers. And one of his one of his great tools is that to get them focused again on the created things instead of the Creator, and they begin to again worship those things. They begin. To glorify those things. And behind them all, there again, there is a demon. And you know, you can look uh, look at this at so many things. I'm going to give you a, a picture here. This is the statue of St. Peter in Rome. And you've come from the Catholic Church. The statues, the statues of saints, the adoration of you know, of saints or uh, of statue. But this is this is Peter's right foot. They kiss the toe off through the centuries. I don't know if you've ever ever seen that. it is it is kind of funny. They kiss the toe off. It's 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 stone. It's stone. What did, what, did, what, what, did, what did Peter say to Cornelius when he appeared to him, right, at Caesarea? Right, look, Acts chapter 10, 25 through 26, right, Cornelius began to bow down and worship him, but Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted uh, him up and said, Stand up, I myself am also a man. But again, here's, here's again, religion. And, and let me say this. The, the worship of saints, the worship of icons in the Orthodox churches, the worship of the Pope. The evangelicals and the charismatics are just as bad. We have popes in the United States with their, with their mega-ministries and their TV ministries. You see people worship them. I'll tell you, the, the Messiah complex... People in churches like ours, and through the years, people begin to like see me, and this is weird, right? I know most of you are mature in Christ who are here tonight, but they begin to worship me. They begin to look to me like I am, you know, I am Jesus, and I am just another beggar on the road, right, needing His grace, needing His mercy, and a woman a woman here years ago, and sometimes it became somewhat scary, but they, the church, a bunch of people, went to the Billy Graham crusade when Billy Graham was alive down in the Meadowlands, and this woman stood up in the bus, and these were people from churches and some unbelievers, she stood up and said, you know, he was real good tonight, but you got to come to Living Word Community Church and hear Pastor Frank, he's better. I, I, I am not worthy to carry... The dirty slippers of Billy Graham. He was such an incredibly great man of God. But again, he's just a man. As I'm just a man. This is again what, what people do. We create though, we create these these idols. And again, instead of again Jesus being the only one, the Father, Son, and Spirit being the only one that we glorify. Number five Idol worship is an act of the flesh, the sinful nature. Right? The flesh is is that you know we all have this part of us it's called the sarks, the sinful nature it's that selfish part of us, the self-centered part of us that part of us that seeks to glorify self that seeks to worship self let me give you a, this is I wasn't planning to share this this little exercise that I do so it says in Galatians 5 that, the spirit and the flesh, right? The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit lusteth against the flesh. So they are, they are in conflict with each other, right? And you can, I mean, it's like the angel and the demon, right? That's portrayed in literature and in movies, one on each soldier, shoulder. But the, the picture, when I'm going through my day, you know, I just say, have an S in my mind. I'm in the spirit. I'm in the spirit. I'm going through the day. I'm in the spirit, and then all of a sudden, I realize an F. All of a sudden, I'm in the flesh. Right? I'm thankful that there is far less Fs than there are Ss. But sometimes there's an F, and I'm like, man, I just like right now, I'm in the flesh. The, sin, the sinful nature, the sarks. Well, uh, idolatry. Galatians chapter five, nineteen through twenty-one: the acts of the flesh are obvious—sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry. The flesh again produces idolatry, and you, you, again you got the list of the other things. The, sin, the sinful nature wants essentially to be God. Again, seeks to supplant God. The sinful nature wants to be sovereign. The the sinful nature, right, wants its own way, wants its own will, and is the source of of all idolatry. Number six, idolatry is the root of sin. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. Notice what it says, which amounts to idolatry. So they are, they are essentially, he's saying here, all these things, are immorality. The word is pornea, okay? We get the word pornography from, uh, it encompasses fornication, sex out of a marriage relationship, adultery, incense, uh, homosexuality. Uh, it, it becomes an obsession. You talk to people, you talk to people who are, you know, you talk to a person, fornicator, Homosexual—it's uh, an obsession to them. They—they—they feel very strongly, you know, the adulterer. Very strongly about what you know what they're doing. And again, it's—it's it's, in itself, it's become—it's become an idol. In in, in purity, it talks about passions, pat, you know, passionate lust, you know, this this you know this this obsession it could be an ob- obsession for anything. In, instead of God, uh, evil desires. And it says greed. If you notice the, the word greed, greed is, is idolatry. What, what, what greed is, the word coveting, you know, somebody who's greedy, somebody who covets, they're never happy. Right? They never have enough. They never have enough money. They never have enough material possessions. Right? They're 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 never satisfied. It's o- it's always more, more, more. You know, it has to, it has to be a, a nicer car. I need a, a bigger house is going to make me happy, and they're never happy. And they're you know they're driven. They're driven by their by their greed. You know, two two great drivers of human beings: greed and fear. That's not only true of Wall Street. <laughs> greed and fear. And uh, again, what it's saying, all these things, immorality, greed, they all essentially flow from idolatry. Number seven, idolatry separates people from God. In Psalm 16:4, "The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips but it's telling us that the idolatry has separated that person. That person has erected some type of an idol in their life, and that has separated them from God. Number eight, idolatry is rejection of God's word. So in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 23, for rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination as inequity and idolatry, Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. Notice that. You have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. But he had rejected, this is Saul, he rejected God's word. When when we reject the word of God, to to be able to, to hear from God, you have to come to his word with humility. You have to come to his word with honesty. Uh, you have to come to his word with faith. And when we come to the word of the Lord, it's through the word of the Lord that we connect with God. They say, well, no, it's through prayer. Well, take away the word of God. What are you praying to? Right? Who are you praying to? So, you know, we, we essentially, we connect with God through his, through his holy word. Now, uh, the person rejects the word of God. Okay, they're not making that connection with God. But God is no longer, once the word of God is rejected, God is no longer on the throne. And now, and now they have to put something else on the throne. So they erect an idol. You look at anybody, anybody who, again, is not in relationship with Jesus. There will be an idol sitting upon the throne of their heart. It's not, it's, it's, it's not, no, it could be their career, it could be religion, right? It, it could be some type of occultic practice, but they will always have, right? They will always have a God on their throne because that throne cannot, we cannot exist without it being vacated. Okay, it's always gonna be somebody sitting there, or something sitting there. And again, the beauty of the word. The word is how we connect with God. You know, through the word we we connect with him, we commune with him. It's through the word of God that we we come to to know God. And as, you know, we read the word of God, it's really through the word of God that God washes us. He he cleans us, he convicts us to make the the necessary changes, you know, of, of our life. Number nine, idolatry is damning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, or Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals. Or just look, nor idolaters will inherit the kingdom of God. It's damning. And then, uh, last thing here, and then I'm going to just give you a little application. Idolatry is addictive. You see, people with an idol in their life, it becomes addictive. And it's hard. It's hard for them to break away from it. Even when they're aware, and this is the outside of Jesus, even when they have an idol in their life, how difficult it can be through therapy, psychological counseling, psychiatry, how hard it is for somebody to break away from that idol it's become such a strong and powerful thing over their life and you look revelation 920 the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues now this is this is the tribulation period it's a terrible time the plagues of you know the seal judgments the tri- you know the trumpet judgments the bowl judgments and it says and they still not did not repent of the work of their hands and they did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, that they still were clinging on to their idols, refusing to repent and turn away from them and turn to God. And again, what you know? why is that? How is that? It's because idol worship is deeply addictive. And if anybody here who, you know, maybe you're struggling with something that's an idol in your life, you know that's true it's hard to hard to break that you know break that chain and tear down that idol but god calls us right to tear down our idols so i want to talk to you for a few minutes about tearing down your idols if you have one or two so one thing one thing of of, of good news in micah 5:13 god says i will destroy your idols He's he's saying now, these are his people, the Jewish people, and I believe you can take this and you can apply it to the church. I will destroy your idols and your sacred stones from among you. You will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. So, God is working to destroy your idols. God is working to destroy our, our idols. Now, let me just say this to you. If you've ever had the Lord destroy your idol, it's usually extremely painful. Like God intervenes. You know all of a sudden, you know what? You you are in a situation. It's like David. David's sin and one of David's problems is, is that he removed the Lord from the throne and he put himself on the throne. He's ignoring God, right? He's he's acting like God can't see what he's doing. He's um right out on the out on the porch looking down lusting after a woman who was married to another man and then he Has her brought up to him. He commits adultery with her. She gets pregnant. He kills her husband or has her husband killed. And I mean, here is a, a, a picture of a man who he's erected himself as the idol. And he's found out. And he is deeply embarrassed. I mean, this is like, this is an incredibly embarrassing moment. And I see this with, you've seen this with leaders, Christian leaders. I've seen it right here in the church. Of people who are who are again, they have erected some kind of an idol in their life. They're committing some type of a gross sin, and then God just exposes them. Remember Jim Baker. Remember Jimmy Swaggart. I mean, so many just God just exposes them to the world, and it it is it is a horror show. God just takes it. He just lifts the curtain. And that person is, I mean, that, that, that person is horrified. That person, now, God will tear down the idol. You know, it's a shame that I think, I wonder, had Nathan not come to David and confronted him, if David just would have, you know, gone on with the charade. Because I, I've seen a lot of times when God exposes someone, oh yeah, they're going to come and now, you know, they feel bad about what's happening. But it, it, I wonder if they—if they if they weren't exposed, would they, have ever come and really repented. And I think a lot of times I'd say no. They just they just go on, you know, hiding their, you know, hiding their idol. Hiding their sin. So again here God he really will intervene and he will. If you're if you're his child, you got an idol in your life and you've placed that thing again, you've elevated that thing above Him. You're glorifying it above Him. He will break you to make you. That's how much He loves you. He will break you to make you. And He will will intervene. So that's good news. Now. You have an idol in your life. Proverbs chapter twenty-eight, thirteen: Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Why, why is repentance? Why is repentance? Confession and the word forsake, repentance. Why? Again, is that repeated over and over again in Scripture? Confess and repent. You know, confess, repent, repent, confess. A couple of key things that happens when a, per, when a person confesses and repents true confession, true repentance, they take responsibility for their sin instead of blaming it on somebody else. The second thing, they, it essentially proves that essentially to God that they're not hiding their sin. They're acknowledging it before God. And they're also asking God for help. have a stronghold in your life some type of sin stronghold, some type of idolatry, you know, some type of idolatry in your life, and you're, you're saying to God, look, I need your help. We're not going to be able to conquer these things by ourselves. We need the intervention, the help of God. And another key thing about confession and the forsaking of sin, it sustains our relationship with God. So your relationship with God may not be great. Your relationship with God may not be where you want it to be. But when you are are confessing and forsaking your sins and bringing them before God and working through these things with God, the relationship is maintained instead of it being broken. I say people who are struggling with sin. Don't run away from Jesus. Run to Jesus. People struggling with sin. Don't run away from the church. Run to the church. But we're we're not here to condemn you. But this is where you will find grace. This is where you will find deliverance. And I don't care how many times you fall, how many times you slip, right? how many times you backslide, you need to keep coming back to Jesus, keep coming back to the body of Christ, because this this is where you're going to find the grace, and you're going to find the power of God to be delivered. And sometimes it doesn't happen instantaneously, right? Again, those, those things sometimes, those idols and those sins become so deeply rooted... Right, it was just like, oh, I just wish I could, you know, I push pull out that root. And it doesn't happen that way always. So confession and forsaking. Another key thing. When you tear down an idol, place God upon the rightful throne. Make him your king, make him the Lord of your life, right? Matthew chapter 22, 37. I don't know if you've ever heard this verse before. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Put him right upon the throne as the the love of your life. And and listen, don't give him lip service. Isaiah, Isaiah 29 warns, right? And Jesus said, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far away from me. So you're know, just saying, you know, oh, I, I love you know. I've seen this. I've seen this through the years. Too many years doing this. I'm telling you, I've seen. Talking to uh, Pastor Chris today, and we were talking about people in the church with their sins and things they do, and I was telling him of a. Another pastor I was talking to whose worship team would get together to practice. This is a church like ours. They would get together to practice on Friday night and they would all get high before they would practice. And those were the worship leaders in the church. And you know here, if somebody was doing that, I would go back to being a bouncer of my old days and they would get bounced out of the church. But we were we were just talking about you know situations in the church. But people here through the years, praise the Lord! I love you, Jesus! I love you, Jesus! And he walks out of here, and he's got his hands around his wife's neck, trying to strangle her. See, I've seen so many, I've seen so much fakery. So many tears, right, amongst the uh, the wheat. So. When you you make Jesus the king of your life, don't give lip service to it, right? It has to come from your heart. It has to come from your heart. And then I'll I'll give you one more thing, and then we're done. Again, idols, sins, they become, again, rooted in our lives. And you have to deal with them radically. So when, when Jesus, this is a hyperbole, I think you all know this, hyperbole is a gross exaggeration. <laughs> when I was a, 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 a new Christian, I, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't very good in school, never really studied, and um, I could give you the baseball lineups for almost every major league baseball team, but uh, I knew how to read and I knew how to do math, uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't educated. I quit college in my first year, and then um, when I got saved, it, it, learning how to pronounce words and spell words correctly, it took some time. Thank God for spell check. So, uh, I hyperbole, I one time was teaching, and I called it a hyperbole. A hyperbole. And if you go into our bathrooms and you flush the toilets, you'll see they are hyper bowls that Ricardo made because those things, if you keep your butt there, it'll suck you down into that thing and you, you'll end up in the sewer. I, I did get educated. I did eventually finish my, my bachelor's and uh, I should have got two bachelor's and then I got my, my master's from Trinity. And, uh, And I've been studying, you know, since the days I got saved. But this is a hyperbole. It's a gross exaggeration. Matthew chapter 5, 29 through 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. So what is Jesus saying? You need to deal with sin in a very radical way. And if you're if you're if you're toying with it, it's you know, it, it's gonna destroy you. It's gonna send you to hell. So I say, whatever, you know, whatever the idol is, you may, you know, I say people with their, you know, the the crap that is dominating their life through their iPhone or their iPad or their computer the things that are just you know you you've erected as an idol you ever hear of a hammer you may need to do that because what's what's got you there take you to hell so you deal you deal radically you know with with sin and um you know, and Jesus again—he—he—you he, know—he laid that out. Remove it. You might have to do some radical stuff to remove right that idol from your life. Great blessing for people who are not idolaters and have Jesus upon the throne of their heart. Great blessing, and again, great pain for people who are idolaters. And uh, we need to be careful. Amen. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for this word. And and, Lord, a strong warning. But Lord God, a, a, a warning that when obeyed, Lord God, leads to great blessing. So I pray a blessing upon all here, Lord God. If people are like, Lord, they're struggling with things, sins, idolatry in their life, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that they right now tonight would come and confess it to you, Lord. Repent from it. And Lord God, ask you for help. Ask you, Jesus, for help. I know, Lord God, you you will smile over their life, Lord, when we come to you and we ask you, Lord God, to help us. And Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you would just guide them and set them free. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.